0: section seven of an american vendetta this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot an american vendetta a story of barbarism in the united states by t c crawford chapter four part one the outlaws at home a talk with the murderous hatfields and their version of the feud on sunday i had a long talk with elias hatfield at logan courthouse elias hatfield is one of the best of the whole family he is tall deep-chested and round-shouldered with a powerful frame he has a face very decidedly english in its lines he has a broad forehead deep-set clear blue eyes a big roman nose hooked and a very determined chin his cheekbones are high and his face rather sharp in its features rugged brown stubby mustache and side whiskers partially covered his face he wore a suit of brown butternut his shirt was of blue jeans without any collar his hat was heavy straw and his trousers were tucked into high boots i noticed under his waistband a leather girdle holding a holster for a six-shooter he was very nervous during his conversation with me he kept looking out of the window and at every unusual sound would turn as quick as a flash he evidently felt very ill at ease and it was only after several days of acquaintance with him that he talked freely he had left his home on tug river to get away from the quarrels he had come to logan courthouse to see if he could keep out of these quarrels in the future he said he was present at the killing of ellison hatfield he did his best to kill one of the mccoys but that was the only time he has taken up weapons to participate in the bloody incidents of the feud for a man of his class he is very well to do he owns a farm of several hundred acres and is devoted to his children yet it was clear to be seen that he had peculiar ideas on the subject of killing everybody spoke of him in the highest terms from what i learned in my conversation with elias hatfield i know that if anyone were to kill any one of his sons in a quarrel he would kill the man who had committed the crime he spoke several times of efforts that had been made against his son's life and each time the resolute look came over his face and he said all that i want is to be let alone but if people will persist in bothering and wronging those who are dear to me why let them look out it was the son of this man whom i first heard of in reaching logan courthouse i do not propose to burden this narrative with the story of my struggles in getting over the worst roads in the world there was nothing for anyone to eat or drink and few places where one would care to sleep but in coming on to logan Court House, i had hardly crossed the line when i met a group of men passing on rapidly up the road there was one pale-faced man ahead i asked him what was the row thar mout be a scrimmage goin on down thar said he so i heard but i reckon i wasn't very curious about that so he passed on as we went further and further along the road i heard more about this scrimmage then i found that i had been within fifteen minutes reach of a side of a hatfield row it was the usual brawl at election meeting there had been a dispute about nothing and tom hatfield had intervened as a peacemaker Revolvers were drawn and one Peacemaker, with a Winchester rifle, had taken up a position across the fence just opposite, while the candidates hastily took up positions in the background. Fortunately, the affair was settled in a moment, but for a time it looked as if Chapmansville was to be treated to a shooting match which might rival the affairs which have occurred from time to time at Logan Courthouse. Logan Courthouse logan courthouse is two days of the roughest riding from the railroad station that one would care to find the roads are only a mere name it is rare that you see a wagon upon them the road constantly follows the bed of creeks and frequently fords deep streams when the waters are up the route is absolutely impassable days and weeks will pass without any more word coming from logan courthouse to the outer world than can be gotten out from central africa anse hatfield the celebrated leader of the family lives fifteen miles from logan court house up the roughest road in the island creek region it was a matter of some negotiation to obtain an interview with him and that was the real object of my mission no one had seen or described anse hatfield his ford and his guard of armed men the talk and terror of the country Ants Hatfield is universally regarded in this community in a favorable light. He possesses the extraordinary virtue of paying his debts, and a man who is financially honest in this country ranks so high that the mere fact of his having been guilty of a little peccadillo of murdering is not charged up against him, in a general estimate of his character. I was told that there are not over three men in the state of Virginia who can get to see him be able to take a stranger to him. He is an able, intrepid, energetic mountaineer in the perfect prime of his physical vigor, a man who has sworn that he will never be taken alive. He is fifty years old and the father of twelve children, every one of them living. This is in contrast to the broken family of Randolph McCoy, who has five children, his large family having been murdered in this feud. The Lair of the Outlaw King John B. Floyd has been the representative of this community in both branches of the legislature for many years. He is an honest, courageous, and a fearless man, and has the absolute confidence of all the people in this region. While he sympathizes in no way with the Hatfields, they know that he would take no part in any detective scheme to capture them. He said the best way to see Hatfield was to go right to him and not to ask any permission. Elias Hatfield's son took the message to ants the night before and announced our coming last wednesday morning in company with john b floyd and clarence moore of charleston we set out to visit the lair of the outlaw king the road was much worse than that i had already traversed from charleston to logan court house the route lay over rocks down through deep gorges through the beds of streams constantly winding in and up passing through such a sparsely settled region only a few houses being seen on the fifteen mile march The first Hatfield outpost we saw was Elias Hatfield. He was going along the road with a heavy bag of cornmeal on his left shoulder. Behind him toddled a little girl, also carrying a bag. The man was prepared. Although he was carrying a very heavy bag upon his shoulder, he found it necessary to balance it with a long Winchester rifle in his right hand. With a rifle handy. He slowed up the moment he saw us. He saw us quite as soon as we saw him. He was a man of swarthy complexion and had the hooked nose of the Hatfield family. His dark face was slightly covered by a mustache and a short beard. He looked as wild as any ferocious game just started from the bush. He slipped his Winchester rifle along the line of his hip. As he did so, Mr. Floyd called out to him. Don't you know me, he said. Then Hatfield saw in a moment that it was a friend, and the movement with the rifle stopped. We now passed on to a small log mill on the banks of a noisy stream. There sat in the door of the mill as unprepossessing, unhung a villain as I have ever had the misfortune to see. He had a small, bullet head, frosty complexion, washed-out eyes, little pug nose, and great sandy mustache lying in the cruel, tightly-nipped mouth. He balanced a Winchester across his lap. I learned afterwards that this was French Ellis implicated in the house-burning attack. End of Section 7